Hello and welcome to the show that's making a list and checking it twice. It's a championship special today and a good thing too because no brief anthemically themed roundup could possibly contain all the action this weekend. We've got Millwall beating Sheffield United, as someone predicted. We've got Sunderland crashing at home to Reading. And after eight weeks of us asking what the hell is going on at Leeds, we're joined by one of their most erudite supporters. There's a bit of the usual stuff, the fan league and Joe Crilly, but that aside, it's championship all the way here on the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. I'm happy to say I'm joined, as always, by Matt Stanger, editor of The Set Pieces. How are you, Matt? Very well, thank you. Good stuff. I'm very happy to say that we're also joined by James Brown, too. James, how are you? Great, thanks. Nice to see you. Nice to speak to you. It's lovely to have you here. James, you are often described as the father of lad mags, which must get increasingly grating, given all the other things you've done post-loaded. It's better than some of the things I'm frequently called. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I started Loaded, which created the mass market men's magazine sector throughout the world. So I'm not responsible for what followed it. (laughs) You've also got a book on the shelves at the moment, uh, Above Head Height, which has been described as the fever pitch of five-a-side football by no less an authority than Tony Parsons. That's right. It's... uh, came out in February. It's just my memoir of being an everyday footballer. It did well, It's and it's still doing well. It's it sold about 6,000 copies in hardback. Given this is just a football book about me and my mates and about you and your mates, that it was at number one in the Amazon football charts above Ibrahimovic, above Cruyff, above Ian Wright, that wasn't one day because the Amazon charts changes like hourly. It was up in the top three for about six weeks. And it's, uh... I kept screen grabbing it. I couldn't believe it. it's in all these <laughs> proper players. And it's just, it's just the every... It's, if you play five-a-side or Sunday, it's mainly five-a-side, but if you, if you play any amateur football, you'll probably get something out of it. You're a fanatical, lifelong Leeds United fan. Uh, I can testify this to, because I did work experience at Loaded in the mid-90s. Okay. And one of the work experience person's jobs was basically going through all of the newspapers and photocopying anything about Leeds United okay. and presenting you and Tim Southwell with a, with a dossier. But we'll leave the Championship for a moment and we're going to uh, have a look just outside the Championship briefly. There was some other football. Let's have a look at the League One Roundup. Ben, hit the music. Curse of the Totally Football League show. <laughs> Nothing in it. Last week, Bristol Rovers manager Daryl Clark was on the show. This week, they're beating Rotherham 2-1 and finally moving up the table. Down at South End, Phil Brown couldn't bear to watch Jason Demetrioux's first half penalty, such as the Shrimpers' recent record from the spot. But Demetrioux converted, and South End went on to beat Oldham 2-0 and move up to ninth. And that's it. That's all the games outside the Championship. Nothing to see here. So... Let's move on. Matt, where did we send you at the weekend? Went back to Millwall to watch them play Sheffield United. Yeah, they, they did all right, didn't they? They did, I think, aside from Buster Rovers, they're the only team we haven't jinxed. Because uh, I saw them <laughs> end Leeds' unbeaten run earlier in the season and then another good performance against the promotion-chasing side on Saturday. Yeah, we had a tweet uh, from a Millwall supporter asking if we can get you a season ticket. So we'll, we'll look yeah, into I'd, that. Yeah, I'd be up for that, yeah. I love <laughs> watching Millwall. What did you think of Sheffield United? Because um, they, got, they got beat, didn't they? Yeah, they lost. They lost three one. Uh, that's three games without a win for them now. And I thought they looked like they've got plenty of ideas up until like the box. But Millwall really like they, they were overrun a little bit towards the end of the first half. And then Neil Harris changed the shape of the side in the second half to play three five two and match up against Sheffield United. And and that really changed the game. I thought Chris Wilder was pretty harsh on his players afterwards, wasn't he? He, he didn't come out for the press conference for a while. 
Yeah, he uh, Neil Harris was up in about 15 minutes and praising his side for, for what was a great victory. Uh, their first in a few games and Chris Wilder we, we were sat around waiting for about an hour which uh, typical journalist complained there oh can't be waiting for a football manager <laughs> but uh, he, he came up and he said that he'd had a few stern words with the players and uh, yeah he really wasn't happy with that level of performance I mean, what, did, what did he put it down to? because the reason I ask is I saw Sheffield United at Ellen Road probably before the start of that run of defeats they were brilliant a fantastic example of a football team there were no stars they, they work so hard and they move the ball about. And coming in the last 20, 25 minutes, when it was tight, they were just, there was no sense of doing anything other than just doing exactly the same, same thing and trying to roll leads over. And they did, and they won the game. Yeah, David Brooks got his first goal, actually, there, that night against you, and he scored another cracking goal at the weekend as well. Uh, I, I think Wilder put it down to individual mistakes, really. He really wasn't happy with Jack O'Connell, the centre-back, for running the ball out to around the halfway line. Lee Gregory tracked him back, uh, slid in, won the ball, played a brilliant pass through to Romeo, the, the right-back for Millwall, and he scored the, the second goal to put Millwall in front. And, and from then on, it was pretty much Millwall for the rest of the game. And Wilder brought on um, Billy Sharp, he brought on Clayton Donaldson, but they just couldn't get the service up to the strike. Mm-hmm. And so I think he was ha- unhappy with players switching off at, at key moments like that, and, and he put it very much down to individual mistakes rather than the he's tactical. Done, he's shift. done brilliantly, Wilder. Oh, incredible! Yeah. Uh, what are we seeing here? Is this a bit of a readjustment? Because we shouldn't forget they only came up into this division last season. If they'd started poorly and then worked their way up to fourth, you'd say it was amazing. Um, are they running out of I running think out we're of seeing a Paul Coots factor aren't we because he broke his leg against Burton uh, in the three games that he's been missing they haven't won one of them yet they drew with Birmingham they lost that 5-4 thriller at home to Fulham and then they lost at the weekend to Millwall so Paul Coots was such a key player for them played well against Leeds that night in the engine room he keeps things ticking over he sets the tempo I thought John Lundstrom who signed from Oxford in the summer played Played reasonably well on Saturday. He, there was a lot of energy. He tried to, you know, give and go the whole time and collect the ball and, and, and move it on. But he just didn't necessarily have that same amount of impetus. And uh, and Millwall such a strong side at home that you know you need to be playing your your very best level really. James, you and uh, you and Millwall, you share a, a rivalry known often as the friendly rivalry. Your fans getting on so well that they sit unsegregated. And... The, the, the problem for Leeds with, with Millwall is the manager Harris. Every single time I've seen us play there whether he's been the manager or player, he's inflicted a defeat upon us. <laughs> it's just, you know, all fans have this. You'll see a player, you think, oh, I didn't know he played for them. Especially down the lower leagues, people move around. You kind of, you lose track of where the opposition players are. The worst thing about and Neil you know, Harris... this guy's going to... Harris just always used to score against us as a player. The worst thing about Neil Harris is he's really nice. He's a really decent bloke as no, well. The worst so thing is he always used to over. score against us. That's the worst thing. <laughs> I, he's nice that he's nice. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, Cardiff against Norwich. Cardiff in second, a 3-1 win over Norwich. Um, they're six points clear of third. I have to admit, I've been taking them a bit lightly. I thought that it would be a good start and they'd tail off a little bit like Ipswich did. Um, I also thought Neil Warnock taking this job was like one kind of final Red Adair rescue job. But they, they could go all the way, couldn't they? I was like you. I was thinking this was one of these where a team starts well. This... It's one last job. Is just bollocks, you know. Warnock says that says that at every game, at every every gig that he gets. It's one last thing. He said it about Leeds, and uh, <laughs> he wasn't very good at Leeds. And I think Neil Warnock's one of those managers who you kind of you prefer if he's not your manager. You know, he's very engaging, and he always talks his team up, which is a good thing. And he and he talks about the community, but 
it, it wasn't good when he was when he was our manager. And well, he turned sixty nine on Friday, changing the subject very rapidly. He doesn't seem to be slowing down one little bit. Um, and and they are going great guns. Uh, they weren't in the first half though. They were very poor in the first half, and apparently there was a half time tirade. Uh, he said afterwards, the last time I said something like that to my players, it was on YouTube. Have you seen the YouTube video in question? Uh, I think I have, yeah. Spectacular. He he said that he was glad to get in at 1-0 against Norwich at the weekend. And I think it takes a certain manager to be able to command that amount of respect from his players. Chris Wilder obviously has it at Sheffield United because he turned him into winners last season and they, they walked League One. And it's the same with Warnock. He's got Cardiff up there. So if he gives them a rollicking at half-time, then the players probably are going to respond. Some managers it won't work for. Gary Monk perhaps at Middlesbrough at the moment. But uh, but yeah, with with Warnock, he, you know, he has that that command of the dressing room. Who, who are the players that are, are making a difference there? David Hoylett's uh, like such a key player for them. I think he's got five goals already this season. He scored at the weekend, and we had him uh, as a youngster broke through at Blackburn, and then he went on to QPR. I think he was on a Bosman transfer, and he, he made a lot of money there for a short time. Lost his way a little bit, but now he's showing his class again at Cardiff this season. Mendes Lang was on fire at the start of the season. Never yeah, seen him play like that. He's he's gone off the boil a little bit. I don't think he scored for for a good few weeks now but they've got Omar Bogle as well who uh, came up from Grimsby to Wigan and then Cardiff signed him from from, from Wigan uh, in the transfer window and he's got three in his last three appearances so they're missing Kenneth Zahor at the moment I think he's got an ankle injury and Bogle stepped in these players these teams that you're talking about like Cardiff Millwall they're Sheffield United they're robust they're robust clubs they've got expectation they're fans of expectations that they're not a team. None of those three are teams that w- will be happy unless they're doing well. No one's ever happy if not doing well. But you, I think of those three clubs as aggressive competitors, and that the expectation is that they want to be amongst it in in terms of, oh, if we do this, we might get in the playoffs. That it's not that sort of faint hope. It's a sort of a belief that they should be there. It's an expectation. I tell you who isn't doing well and who probably doesn't have hopes of uh, reaching the playoffs, and that's Norwich. Um, they uh, their form has collapsed recently. They beat Ipswich, which of course you know the the derby, um, and then they almost beat Arsenal, and they haven't won since. I think it's five defeats and two draws. Um, now they're sliding down the table very rapidly. Is this is this going to be a long term problem, Matt? I think so. They just don't score enough goals, do they? I remember after they lost to Nottingham Forest, Daniel Fox said it was the the best away performance they put in all season, and. I don't know if that cod psychology really worked with his players because it hasn't picked up in terms of form at all. Uh, Oliveira, he's he's been in and out of team due to injury struggles, but he's been playing recently in starting matches and he hasn't been scoring. So I think, uh, yeah, they've got a lot of work to do really on attacking front. All right, we've got a lot of work to do. We've got a lot of teams here. Bristol City beat Middlesbrough. Now, we will come to Middlesbrough in a moment because I know you've probably got a lot to say, James. Um, but let's first start with Bristol City. An extraordinary season, especially considering that the manager, Lee Johnson, was on the brink of being sacked in about February last was season. Was on the brink of being sacked or were the fans trying to get him sacked? I think there's usually, a difference. Well, usually one thing leads to the other. I'm not, yeah, but I think what's successful... You're, you're right. What's, the, what's, the board were very, very loyal to him. What's very impressive about Bristol City, and it's something that's just happened... With, with, with my club leads now is that they've just stuck with him and they understand that it, it's not a given that you're going to be up there and if you and it's not a given that if you change the manager anything's going to change um, and, and we, we in the middle of our really bad run when it just collapsed like a house of cards at Leeds after a fantastic start we played him off the park at Ellen Road but like last year you know when we had we probably had a stronger playing team um, 
was very, very tight down at Ashton Gate. I went down there and uh, the, the difference was Abraham. Chris Wood missed a... Uh, well, not miss. He missed a chance. He scuffed it. Abraham had a very similar chance and, and took And he's not there now. So they've obviously and strengthened yeah. and come on. But they're one of those teams that, that it's been so long since... I mean, it's probably like 40 years or something since they were at the top level. Um, but if you do go away with your with your team and, uh, to places like that, it's a really impressive setup there. They've they've stuck with a the manager. They've they've gone and taken players from rivals, immediate rivals. They don't care about that. They just want to improve it. And it's you know you go down there and it's not dissimilar to St Mary's or somewhere like that. It's a big modern stadium. And the guy's obvious. The guy who owns it's obviously got a lot of ambition. Well, the spirit there seems to be good. Jamie Patson, scorer of the second goal on Saturday, said, "There's no big time Charlies in teams like Huddersfield who ended up getting promoted. They didn't spend monster money, but they all wanted to win and get further. And they went up because everyone was on a level playing field. That's what we're all about as well. So things are obviously looking good um, behind the scenes there, Matt." Yeah, and there's such an attacking team. There's so much confidence in that side. You saw it at the weekend. I think they've had 15 different scorers this season and Aidan Flint popping up on the right wing to, to set up one of the goals there. And uh, I think he was joking with Lee Johnson about how he wanted to change his shirt number to number seven because he should be playing like a right winger now. But they, they really shared a workload around. Uh, Bobby Reed's obviously having a superb season for them as well. And they look like they could beat anyone, don't also, they? Also, it should be said, they're the only team, I think, in football with a consistently funny social media output. Those goal celebrations on Twitter are incredible. Um, we're going to let you off the leash now. Gary Monk, it's not really working out for him at Middlesbrough at the moment. He's um, unloaded at the players, the fans and the local media have unloaded at him. What do you make of it, given the circumstances well, I think it's of his a departure? Mixture of things. I think it's, firstly, I think there was a lot of belief that he had a really strong squad and that they'd go back up. Now, actually, if you look at what's happening in the Premier League this year uh, and in recent years... And, and we'll talk about Sheffield United. Teams that are... Huddersfield are a, a great example. Teams that are good working teams with a good ethic and a good understanding of what they do are maintaining their position and holding their own in the teams they're being promoted into. Relegated teams, not so much. So I think that was a misplaced faith that just because they had a good squad that got relegated that, that they would be better. Um how did you feel as a Leeds fan when he when he left? I didn't like it. I thought it was a bad move. My worry was, new owners, are they going to do something like that? Have they been subject to an agent going, this playing legend? It's Alan Ball syndrome for the old, <laughs> older older listeners. That, you know, he's a great player. Brown, Brown Robson maybe might be a bit harsh. He did quite well at Middlesbrough. But, so that was my fear. Uh, but the, the the structure of what worked for Leeds last year was a mixture of his management team and what happened on the pitch. That's obvious, really. What was happening off the pitch was just madness. But in terms of his management team, he had Pep Clote. And I've spoken to people who were around the, around the ground, around the training ground and the club, and Pep was very good on social media. So my question, people loved him. He absolutely loved him. He was the assistant manager, there, the, the, the coach alongside Gary, and he's now the manager of Oxford United. And But the fans loved him. And I, I would say, well... Are we saying he's the best just because he puts videos of him on the way back? <laughs> or, and, and then other people came back to me who were around the, the, the club and the training ground and said, no, he's doing, he's yeah. doing a lot of it. Oh. And then also James Beattie certainly improved Chris Wood. But then if you looked at what happened, the recruitment under Monk and Clote, whoever did that recruitment, um, was very, very good. Luke Ayling came from Bristol City where he's third choice right back and was excellent. Uh, Bartley was was absolutely brilliant on loan from 
uh, Swansea. Getting Rob Green was very good. Pontus Jansen was a really good to hire. He was a Clotet hire as well, wasn't he? Because Clotet had worked with him previously. Yeah, he'd, he'd met him. Uh, he was with Loudrop and he stayed on after Loudrop went at Swansea. So that's where they met. And it really looks like it was like a Clough Taylor situation that the, that the two of them work well together because Beatty's still there. But I, I honestly think the spine that we had. We had a very, very, at Leeds, we had a very strong defence under Gary Monk. There was a really good left back in Taylor, really good. He's at Burnley now. There was good cover in Berardi, who was a, like a right back, a maniac. The fans love him. There was Ailing on the right and Louis Coyle, who's out at Fleetwood, getting man of the match every week. Uh, and then we had three strong centre backs. So that strong defence, Monk hasn't got that. So sometimes you're a successor at a club just simply because the balance of the players that you've got there. And the people that you've got around them, it's not a given that the same person um, at a different club is going to work. I think that's why it's not working for them. There was an expectation, there was an arrogant expectation that they would do well. And because he'd done well at Leeds, there was that expectation. The notorious uh, will smash the division. I mean, they have got Ben Gibson on a five-year deal. They spent big money on Asambolonga, um, but it's not really working out for him now. We're going to have to uh, go to our first break right now. We'll be back with the Fan League and, uh, and also some Leeds. Listeners to Footballing Podcasts will know that there's enough tough decisions to make these days without having to worry about which razor to use. So why don't you take the hassle out of your shaving routine by signing up with our pals Cornerstone. Never run out of blades, never need to shop again, just let them know how often you shave and they'll take care of the rest. Get £10 off your first order and find out more about your perfect shave box at cornerstone.co.uk slash totally. And welcome back, and welcome back to the Fan League. You know the Fan League by now. It's pretty much like the pools. You get a slip, 13 games, and you pick home win, away win, or draw. Most of them are Premier League games this week, but there are four from the Championship, so let's have a look at them. Matt, QPR against Leeds. QPR in a little bit of a pickle now, sliding down the division, and Leeds quite possibly tails up again. I'm going for home win. Oof. I think QPR are very strong at home. They beat Wolves there. They beat Sheffield United there. I still don't think Leeds have come through this blip. I'm not totally convinced by them. James? No, we'll win. OK, home win against away win. Um, Our last okay. away, you know, we, we we were great at Barnsley. Saez is a great player. He's wonderful, We'll talk about him in a minute. Yeah, he is wonderful. I think we'll win that. The mere mention of his name makes me think, yeah, all right, away win. Um, I don't think there's going to be too much discussion over this next one. Wolves against Sunderland. James. Draw. Really? Mm. Are you just being bold? No, I don't, like, I don't like Sunderland, so if I say something slightly positive for them, <laughs> it might jinx them. OK, fair enough. Matt? Yeah, this is the easiest one we've had, definitely, home win. <laughs> yeah, I can say hand on heart, this one isn't going wrong. We'll save that soundbite just That's in case. also why I say it. Because it's, Cause just in it's case. when it's a surefire win, as you just said, that's when something just on it. I mean, people say that about Manchester United every week under Ferguson. Palace and then every Chelsea. now and then occasionally someone like West Ham would beat them. So it's the surefire wins. If there's even a slight sense of complacency and expectation. Chris Coleman's had a few weeks there. I thought he took the right job, but, you know, he's probably due a bit of luck. And it was quite tight last night. It was 1-0 for Wolves against Birmingham, who also like, you know, not getting there. You make a convincing case. Not quite convincing enough. I mean, I'm still going to say home win, but I you, you had me... I hope Wolves do win. You had me but, wobbling. But I think I would go just that, that. 
that sense you get sometimes when something's due a change. All right, let me uh, take you to a straight fight between a canary and an owl, producer Ben says. Norwich against Sheffield Wednesday. Can they both lose? Will they both lose? <laughs> They're both horribly out of confidence. Yeah, she- Sheffield Wednesday are unbeaten for a few games now at least, but I think probably a draw for this one. Probably nil-nil, actually. I think it's going to be quite a tedious game. I think Sheffield Wednesday had five shots on target throughout the whole month of November. Yeah. So it doesn't bode too well for their we'll, scoring. We'll come on to them in a bit because it's interesting times over there. James? Yeah, I'll go draw. Yeah, I think I'll go with that as well. And finally, Aston Villa, who you saw on Friday night. Uh, well, we all saw on Friday night. Uh, Aston Villa against Millwall. Uh, Aston Villa home win. Millwall, as brilliant as they were against Sheffield United, they, they really don't travel well. They haven't won a single game on the road. They've only scored five goals. Yeah, it's them and QPR. They just hate yeah. going away from home. <laughs> James? Yeah, I'll go home win. Yep, that sounds good. Home win. That is the Fan League. You find it on the App Store by searching for Fan League. If you then find me, Ian McIntosh, uh, you can come and join the Totally Football League League, which is not going very well for me at all. Right, let's move on then. Uh, <laughs> Leeds Aston Villa. Um, let's have a look at them. Um, let's start with Villa, first of all. Um, they had a horrible, horrible start. Steve Bruce um, coming under enormous pressure, but it seems to be stabilising now. They're, they're up in fifth, just about keeping pace with people. What do you make of them? Yeah, they're, they're doing a lot, a lot better. They still don't play amazing football. Albert Adomo, though, he's been scoring the goals to, to keep them up at that end of the division. And I think they'll just get better, won't they? Because like Bruce's experience in managing a promotion campaign has told so many times in the past. And uh, as as the fixtures come thick and fast now around Christmas, I, th- I think they'll start to kick on. James, what did you think of them? Well, I, I, when everybody was giving Bruce stick, I just couldn't see that. I just no. I think he's such a consistent performer that there is no, in the same way as Allardyce. There is there is no way that he will not move Aston Villa within the grasp of their expectations as a club. No no way. I genuinely was having those conversations on social media and with friends. Is that he's the owner's ambitious, he's got a repeat promotion manager and the money will be there to make sure that they are not doing a Sunderland, that they're absolutely going to get back. And I would imagine Aston Villa will either get automatically promoted or will certainly be in the playoffs. Also to my mind, they're one of those top clubs they just seem strange that they're not there yeah so I mean, that's basically a Premier League game on Friday wasn't it Villa against Leeds it's two, two well, teams no, no, I mean that's, that's the problem no it's not it wasn't that's the problem there's this perception that that Leeds are a Premier League club well we haven't been for like like 12 years or something so but the, the quality and, and uh, the expectations and the situation both those teams have got the capability to be promoted this year I think it'll come down to strikers at the end of the day. I think uh, Villa have been missing Jonathan Codger pretty much for the whole campaign. Had that ankle injury and he's, he's still not fully fit despite making a comeback a few weeks ago. And uh, he's, he's not really been fine. But if they have a player like that on the bench or they have Scott Hogan as well who's struggled with fitness, if he can come into the starting lineup and start scoring, then they, they, they could really can push on. But Leeds don't have that, do they? They signed Lasaga in the summer. He doesn't look fit to me. He's been left out the last few squads. I think you're absolutely right, Matt, is, uh, that some of the recruitment was optimistic. It was about potential. A lot of players came into the, the, the Leeds team and the Leeds squad that had got no experience of playing in this league. And that does stand for something. You know, when you go to a new away ground, when you're playing against a centre-back or, or a left wing or whatever your position is that you've, you've played against, that means something. That is one area we absolutely 
need to improve upon? Saez, Alioski, Hernandez. I mean, on a technical level, that's as good as anything in the division, isn't it? Well, we're very, very creative. Um, I think Wood leaving was huge, you know, huge for the club uh, in in terms of, you know, he scored nearly, all, scored nearly all, all the goals last year. But instantly in that first run we had under Christiansen, the goals were being shared out. And across the midfield, Lasoga got a few. But I agree with Matt that Lasoga just doesn't... To me, he's one of those guys that that he makes a big effort chasing down a ball he's not going to get. But I asked the manager about that after the Chevy United game. I said, is it that the midfield aren't getting the ball to him or is he not coming for it? And he said he was, you know, he was. the manager replied it was about the build-up. But I think that the lad that we've had in for the last couple of games, Ekuban, who's a, who's a lone player, he's looked really good. But he hasn't got the goals, so it's a question of... It's a period of, of, of his development as a player where he's learning to play competitive first-team football and he'll go on and get goals. But he's at Oakwell, he was, he was, he was at left-back taking the ball and, and, and bringing it out. He was going back and fighting. He was, he, you know, he's the sort of player that if he's on the floor, the ball's between his legs, he'll be scissor-kicking it away to make sure that you know, he's not just rolling around like some players do. He, he was fighting for it and he was really, really impressive. And I think um, whether it's at Leeds or, or, or wherever... He will be a full-time professional first-team player that we all get to know. Now, Matt's, uh, Matt, Matt's not entirely sure that you're through this this wobble. Uh, leads mid-table in the form uh, in the form table with just two wins and six. Um, I think, I think do you we think are you're coming because, through? No, I think we are because we played so well in, at, at the start of the season. Uh, and the change, Matt, is that we were trying to win every single game. And I know that sounds sort of strange, but actually, if you look at all the great managers and all the successful teams, there's an understanding that sometimes, you know, you, you just defend your position. And we didn't do it at Sheffield United. We got against, we got three quarters away through that game. And I felt that he needed to either stick another defender on or defensive midfielder or stick a striker on. And, and he just, he was stayed with it. He didn't change it enough. And, but the difference was we took points off a team above us for the first time. We lost to Wolves, to Cardiff. We lost to three of the top five teams and we've beaten Bristol City, but they were below us when we beat them. And now we've, we've drawn with, with Aston Villa. So in terms of a change of form, and we've got a run coming now, we'd like flat track bullies, if you like. You mentioned size, Alioski and Hernandez. I mean, it's just fantastic when they go, but there's Kimar Roof as well. So we've got another player there who's, who was instrumental in, in the start of the season. Probably not yet found his level, but a very skillful player. I tell, I tell you what, unfortunately, we've got a lot of other teams we've got to uh, cover, so we've got to jump on before they boot us out of the studio. We're going to be fine. Do that. I've we're seen gonna, them do it. We're going to be fine. We'll be fine. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday, Hull City. We were talking about managers earlier. Um, this was the end of poor old Leonard Slutsky, um, who I met in the summer, and he's lovely, and it's just horrible. He spent more time preparing for that job than he did actually doing it. Um, Matt, it just never went right for him, did it? They it, it didn't in some matches, certainly. Like going forward, they were, they were brilliant. They've scored, uh, I think it's third highest number of goals in the division this season. So many late goals against them, though, wasn't it? And that's got to be hammer blows to the confidence. Yeah, defensively, they were a shambles because they conceded 37 as well. Only Burton Sunderland have let in more. And you, you saw it again against Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, 
a lot of the reports that came out of the game from, from local press and everything said that's a team that are fighting for the manager. And, but it's, it's too late almost. It's gone on for weeks now, this, this terrible run of form. And they should be up there around the playoff positions fighting to go straight back to the Premier League. And they look like they're struggling. Yeah, the there's so many problems at that club, though. I'm, I was at the FSF Awards last night. I don't know if you saw anything about it on social media. Um, but uh, Hull City's podcast, Amber Nectar, they, um, they won. And they actually made a point, the guys who got up um, and, and took the award, they paid tribute to Slutsky, said what a great guy he was, said how sad it was. How often do you get that of a of a guy who's come into a job and been sacked after five months? He obviously made a good impression there. Too nice, maybe? Well, quite possibly. Um, yeah, by by all accounts, he was beginning to... Well, he obviously did lose did hope. Did they see who they wanted to replace him? Did they have an ideal replacement? No, or? and there's a couple of names that have been thrown about, one of which is Phil Brown, who is currently at Southend. Now, the last time Phil Brown was asked about a job, it was about the Sunderland job, and he made the mistake <coughs> of saying, that's a great job, which it obviously is, but it didn't go down well with Southend fans. Did get Grayson? Grayson is very much available, looking for an opportunity. Um, He's talk of Karanka too, so that would certainly stop those goals being conceded, but we wouldn't necessarily bring many up front. I think, as, as the guys from Amber Nectar said, the problems are far deeper than the choice of manager. But uh, talking of problems, let's have a look at Sheffield Wednesday, um, because Carlos Caraval, so popular not very long ago, the team's starting to look a bit sluggish. He's been there for a long time, he's spent a lot of money. Uh, Chris Dunlavey in the Football League paper, just pound fifty. it's really good. Uh, the notion that fine margins are behind the terrace grumbles is wrong, he said. What irks the Hillsborough faithful are limp attacking displays like this abomination of a first half. It's uh, heavy stuff, James. It's strange because last year Reading and Sheffield Wednesday were, were easily two of the strongest teams. Neither of them have changed the manager. Neither of them have, have either of them lost key players I don't think they, I don't think they have uh, Sheffield Wednesday's uh, problem mostly has been Forest Airy um, yeah, and his not, injury but. but in terms of like it's not like they're, they're a team like you look at Barnsley constantly selling players to a high level uh, and they've obviously struggling a little bit because the manager of Barnsley is obviously a very good manager it's mm. already immediately been successful over two clubs and uh, so I don't maybe you just say maybe it's been too long I'm really I'm surprised that Chef Wednesday and Reading didn't continue that momentum. It's it's a really different situation to Bristol City because when Bristol City struggled like they did last season and they managed to survive really late on with the great run they put together yeah. under Lee Johnson, that gives everyone a big boost ahead of the new campaign and they think, actually, maybe we can do something here because we showed how good we were towards the back end of that campaign. But Sheffield Wednesday and Reading, when you you know you just missed out and all season you were giving it everything to go for promotion, you probably do feel a bit deflated and and now they're struggling to to really lift the squad. The way, the way I know we haven't come on to Reading, but the way Reading played against Leeds at Ellen Road, it was it was just a laughing stock. They were they, they, they were the Leeds fans were actually not one or two people. The whole crowd was giving them the olays. Was it because they were so and slow? I wasn't at that game, but a lot of friends were, and they said. Uniformly, they sort of never seen anything like it. There were 25, 26,000 people laughing at what was going on <laughs> as they continued to pass it. And I guess that, like, once he's had his season of doing that, people are aware that they're going to play that possession football and adjust accordingly. Um, no one has yet adjusted to Wolves, who won last night against Birmingham. A spectacular goal. Poor old David Stockdale making world-class save after world-class save until finally there was nothing left to give. Um, Wolves are now 10 points clear of third place. And there is a long way to go. We're not even halfway through the season, but I haven't seen anyone who's even close to him in this division. Well, I think we would have got back into it if we hadn't had uh, Vieira sent off. We were putting him under pressure. 
they've spent something like fifty-five million pounds on playing staff. I mean, that's a phenomenal mm. amount in 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 this league. It's it really is. It's um, so. I think you've you know you spend the money. That's what I was saying about Aston Villa and, and, and Leeds. That you know we reported that we're not going to spend money in January, but. Matt highlighted our shortcoming. If we went out and bought a centre forward that could play for us in the in the Premier League, it'd, it'd take a drop down, or like a Danny Ings or somebody of that level who's kind yeah. of gone out of the focus a little bit. That and and I think that's. But Wolves have already done that. It's their shopping, so, and, it? and you can see, you know. Yeah, it's it's not just one or two players. Almost all of their big money signings have have worked. I'm, who's who's a standout player for you? You, you know my feelings towards Neves. Uh, I think Diogo Jota, who uh, they've signed on loan from Atletico Madrid, and as James says, looking to complete a £15 million move in January. Yeah, these are Premier League players, aren't they? And we haven't even mentioned Bonatini, the top goalscorer. People talk about like that's, there's something wrong with that. Oh, if you want a guarantee yeah. getting into the Premier League, you have to you have to buy Premier I mean, this, this isn't something new. We go back to Matt's team. Well, We're one of the first teams to do it with Blackburn. So it's... It's obvious what you do. It's just how you spend it. If you get the right person to pick the players, and and then as you've just said, Ian, if they perform, so there's nothing. I mean, it's a level playing field in that everyone has the same amount of players. Everyone has the opportunity to bring investment in. It's just tough that you know there are teams like Burton and uh, who don't have that level of of like fan support or, or, or financial backing. But it's you know it's you look at someone like Bournemouth or go further down the leagues to the to the likes of. You know, Forest Green Rovers, money spent properly, players given to a manager or a coach who can deliver, will get you promotion, and that's what's happening. It's pretty simple stuff. Talk about money spent properly. Um, Birmingham spent a lot of money um, in the summer, mainly buying Brentford players. They've only scored 10 goals all season, and Burton have scored more than Birmingham. There are 10 players who have individually scored as many or more goals than Birmingham. Uh, They're in a real mess, Matt. Yeah, they are. It's uh, Che Adams has scored two of those goals under Steve Cottrell, and I think Jamie Bow got the other night against Sheffield United, which is a pretty decent result considering Birmingham's form this season. But then Che Adams didn't even play last night against Wolves, so if, if he's your biggest goal scoring threat and you're leaving him out, I, I think Steve Cottrell's still working out his best team there, isn't he? And, he's just trying to put together some sort of form. I'm still absolutely staggered that, I mean, Harry Redknapp came in, got those two wins from three games, kept them up, and that should have been the moment where everyone shook hands, thank you very much, here's your bonus, and then spend a summer rebuilding. Um, I can only see that as a completely wasted summer and a completely wasted start to the season. But we will see. And talking about horrible seasons, Sunderland. We knew what we were doing last week. We knew that we were in danger of going too far in praising them for their, their victory over Burton. And uh, and so it proved, Matt. I think the best tweet was from your brother-in-law, actually, Mike Grady, when uh, Sundland tweeted saying that Cal uh, McManaman had the ball in net, but it was disallowed and he'd been red-carded because he punched it with his hand. <laughs> he tweeted saying this could only apply to Sunderland because it's just that sort of club yeah. where ridiculous things like that happen all the time. And, yeah, it looked like they were picking up again under Coleman after that win against Burton and straight back into into the mire. Are they just a broken football club, James? I, I think that, if you, in my experience of the club I support, is that we've now got a, a, an owner who really believes in it and he wants it to be a success. I think if you look at clubs like Hull, uh, Sunderland, it, people know that those managers are at odds with the fans, probably at odds with the managers' expectations. And uh, as I understand it, that's what happened with Grayson is that he was told one thing, even though other people told him 
that the club haven't got the money or the players that you want. He was told that there were, and that's why. I mean, Simon Grayson's a serial like like you know we talked about Bruce earlier. He's a, he's got promotion at something like three or four clubs, uh, or he's got four, three or four promotions at maybe two or three clubs. And I think that actually, I thought he would sort it out for them. Having seen what he did, he brought us up from League One to Championship at Leeds and did pretty well at Leeds until Bates just just got rid of all of the, the decent players. And um, I think if he can't do it, I'm surprised that Coleman went there. I think if he'd waited, mm. he'd have got a, a, a sounder yeah. job. <laughs> jobs going I mean, even I don't know. I, I don't know what a lot of these guys get jobs. A lot of people get jobs because they're great, better at interviews than they are at doing the job, <laughs> or they have got a better agent. Or better. Uh, just one what? thing I would like to say about Sunderland, though, is a small consolation from that defeat to Reading. Joel Osoro, who Ian described as the next Gareth Bale, I did last not. Week. I did not. He no won a penalty thing. to the aim for Graban to pull a goal back. So. <laughs> Um, and talking of jobs, I'd just like a plea from this show. That 17-year-old kid who um, we know what he was kicked out of the stadium for, um, he wasn't doing the thing that everyone reported. The stadium of shite. The stadium of shite. Trying to make that quite literal. Um, that poor kid, he's fronted up to the media, full apologies, um, and he's terrified about losing his job. I really hope that whoever it is who employs him just accepts that you know we do silly things when we're 17. I, when I was 18, accidentally thought my parents' uh, Encyclopedia Britannica bookcase was a toilet as well. Um, we've all been there, so I really hope he comes out of this all it's right. It's incomparable. What happens in your own home or what happens when you're surrounded by 28,000 people with, with phones with cameras on them? I know, but... <laughs> who goes to a game having 18 <laughs> alcoholic how, I don't even know how he's put that much drink in his system. Because he was out all night. I read that story in the mirror this morning where he did the interview. The thing is, he apart from his trousers around his ankles, he doesn't look that knackered. You I know, know, actually watching the game. Sometimes you see blokes just slumped over the yeah, floor. I'd, I'd, or he, he, that's what supporting Sunderland does to you. <laughs> he needs someone to put an arm around you him. You need and 12 bottles of beer and eight <laughs> bottles of cider just to get there. And, and then you've got to watch it with your trousers down. It's, it's, it's actually a very good metaphor for the state of the club. <laughs> it's a club that you have to drink nearly 20 drinks and watch with your trousers down. That's the state they're in. And they're going to have a go at him <laughs> pissing himself. Anyway, he should, final... be, he should be suing the club for stress. Final word. Um, someone put an arm around him and stick with him. No, um, don't, put, don't touch him at all. <laughs> Obviously mixed messages from this show. Um, We are running out of time so quickly. I'm just going to talk very quickly about Ipswich, who had a fantastic result against Nottingham Forest, beating them 4-2, even though I watched the tape of the game and Forest had pretty much all of the ball. There's been so much criticism for Mick McCarthy and the boring football that is perceived, but 35 goals this season, so he's not doing too badly on that front, but his contract is uh, expiring at the end of this season. And uh, James Wright on Twitter asks, uh, is his relationship with the fans beyond repair? Does it feel like it's time for a change, Matt? No, never. I always think fans will come back on side if you're getting results and they've scored a lot of goals, like you say. Recruitment was great in the summer. Martin Waghorn, what signing he's proved for them for just 250000 from Rangers. So I think with McCarthy, yeah, he always has that very abrupt manner with the fans and it was relating back to that Selena incident against uh, Burton when he, he said to the fans, you know, I won't be picking him if, if you're going to sing for him every week when he's on the bench. <laughs> I, I make the, these decisions for, for all the right reasons. Here's, right. A, here's a tip for anybody watching uh, Ipswich. Uh, as the visiting team, watch Terry Connor and Mick 
move forwards and backwards in tandem. <laughs> Join the they game. made their own offside it's, trap. It's, no, it's fascinating. Honestly, they well, Mick was a centre half, Terry Connors a striker, but he was. It's fascinating. They, it's like they've got. It's like synchronized swimming. Honestly, watch them. They go. It's like the tide going in and out. They take take two steps forward, two steps back. That's it's, all I'm going to watch now. It's like I don't know what it is, but it's. You could put it to music and speed it up. We've got to go. When we come back, we'll be trying to wrap up the rest of the division in around 84 seconds. Brentford, Fulham, we're going to have to blast through, sadly, but you've got to pay tribute to Brentford. They've lost so many players um, in the summer, and there they are in 11th, 11 points clear of the relegation zone. Um, uh, Dean Smith, their manager, said, um, we show people today what we are about. Matt? You've seen them a few times. What are they about? Brilliant side. They moved the ball really, really quickly, and they have Ollie Watkins to be signed from Exeter in the summer for 1.5 million. He was involved, I think, all three goals against Fulham. Scored the third, yeah. There was actually a great tweet from Brentford after the game as well, where uh, Fulham had said we did have a gift prepared for our goal, but sadly the Wi-Fi wasn't working, and Mm. Brentford (laughs) replied saying, "Work for all three of our goals." Social media banter. Um, Fulham are often described as one of the best footballing teams in the division. James, is that? Is that accurate? No. They get more praise than they deserve? They've got one good midfielder. Tom Kearney? Yeah. All right. He's the difference. He's he's the opposite of what I was talking about, Sheffield United. He's a very, very good player. As you will know as a a Blackburn fan. All right, we'll roll on. Uh, Derby, 1-0 over Burton. Uh, Manager Gary Rowett, um, very classy afterwards, he said, um, because their goal came in the last 10 minutes, said that was probably the first mistake that Burton made. Matt, we'll go on about Burton and their restrictions and their size. Um, uh, that, that is basically the size of things for them, isn't it? They can't afford to make a mistake. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, they, they have a game plan. They uh, they defended really well for for about 80 minutes against Derby and then just one individual area, which which happens when you're shopping in that market. Preston, uh, 1-0 winners over QPR. Funny old thing form. Preston, uh, with eight points from their last four games, having turned around a run of seven games without a win. Meanwhile, QPR, uh, JL on Twitter, says he wants Ian Holloway to stay. He wants it to work out. But the next four games are make or break. What do you make of Ian Holloway, James? I once had him as a columnist. I like him. I like the work. I like, but you know, whether he's, whether he's still got it. I mean, there's always a strange thing going back to your old club, isn't it? There's, there's an expectation. You look at going way back when Howard Kendall went back to Everton. That the, it, it, the times are different. Owners are different. Fans are the same, but the cut the kit's the same. But I'm not sure it always works. But he's, uh, you know, he's a he's a good manager. Maybe he'd be doing better somewhere else. Can we just go back one minute? A point. Yeah. Mick McCarthy should leave Ipswich and go and turn that whole job. Really? Yeah, because they're going to let him go in the summer. That would be going from Yorkshireman. That's a good shout. That would be going from the most stable club in football to the most instable club. Yeah, but I think that actually he should make the move rather than them making the move when they're out of contract. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting shout. We've got to roll on though. Bolton three, Barnsley one. That's nine points in six games for Bolton now, and their only defeat recently was against Wolves. Matt, what a turnaround! Yeah, it's incredible. They picked up two points from the first 11 games. Then they lost eight matches in a row as well. And now it's one defeat in nine and 14 points from that run. And, and like Joe was saying the other week, actually, if it wasn't for conceding late equalisers every other week, they would be a lot higher in the table. Joe, Joe Crilly from William Hill, of course, who you can follow on Twitter, uh, footy underscore Joe. Bolton fan, are you, are you allowing hope into your life now? I am, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long slog to finally get out of the relegation zone. Remind me again uh, the the form in the early part of the season. 
Oh, it was it was absolutely shocking. There, there was at a point Matt just touched on it. Eight games without a win. I actually believe that was eight games without a win and eight games without a goal as well. Oh. So to turn it around from such a terrible, terrible start, um, I think we were actually the last team in uh, the the football league to to win a game as well. So to turn it around from such a a terrible start to to be out of the relegation zone, albeit we'll probably be flirting with that dotted line pretty much all season and we may drop back in we may come back out again uh, but on uh, on just, Saturday just to be in with a chance right now yes. it's a significant improvement talking of turning round forms we keep referring back to it uh, Leeds and our thoughts on how their season's going to go from here uh, William Hill odds for automatic promotion for Leeds Right, we've got them at 12 to 1 for promotion um, mm. which is quite a big price that includes the, the top two and also going up through the playoffs now Leeds are only 5 points off the playoffs, we've seen already from the early season form that they can put a run of form together. And James has, has suggested that he, uh, as somebody who watches them week in, week out, that they may well be playing themselves out of this run, so into a good bit of form. And so five points at this stage of the season is nothing. So 12 to 1, a decent What price. about just making the playoffs, but not, not going up? Um, they're, they're around about 4-1 to one to make the playoffs. And uh, we were actually asked for a negative price as well for the Bants. Uh, and so it uh, leads to be in the playoff positions after 45 league games and finish outside the playoff positions 20-1. to one. Ouch. I think I might take that. <laughs> <laughs> the old compensation bet. Um, speaking of compensation bets, what, what can we get on Sunderland going another year without a victory at home? Yeah, well, we we were very uh, effusive in our, our praise after the Burton game, but now literally and metaphorically back in the dumps. Um, Sunderland not to win a competitive home game in all competitions during 2018, 200 to 1. Seems fair to me. We've got two TV games coming up. Norwich City against Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday. Um, I mean, that's got draw written all over it, hasn't it? Well, yeah, you, all three of you in the, the fan league prediction went for a draw, which is 12 to 5. Norwich 21 to 20, so just a shade above evens. And Sheffield Wednesday 13 to 5. An intriguing game on Monday Reading against Cardiff. Cardiff obviously in great form, looking like contenders for automatic promotion. But Reading hauling themselves up the table up to 14th now. What could I get on Reading to win that? Uh, 9 to 5. Uh, Cardiff 6 to 4. And the draw 23 to 10. Lovely stuff. That is Joe Crilly of William Hill. You can find him on Twitter, footy underscore Joe. And that is the championship. Thank you so much for coming in, Matt. It's been an absolute pleasure. Great to be here. See, I've been nice to you because now I know your mum listens. James, it's been an honour having you in the studio. Thanks so much. I really so enjoyed much. it. Thank you for having me. We'll be back next week for our standard format show. Uh, we haven't decided who to cover yet. If you want to help us decide, get in touch. Let us know what you think of the show. Oh, God, don't make me read out all the social media names. You know them by now. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Insta, Snaps, Waggletooth, all the usual ones. Until then, I will see you next Tuesday. The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email us at sales at muddyneesmedia.com.